in December, Eric and I were in Michigan, and we were visiting family, and as we were, uh, Drew and Eric and I were in the car, and Drew and Eric were in the front, and I was riding in the back that day. And I was sitting in the back seat, and it was December 23rd, and just within myself, I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you think about 2023? And he almost immediately responded to me. And he said two words to me. He said, almond blossom. So I thought, wow, okay. That's not something, you know, you think of on a daily basis, right? So we went about our day that day. We had some things to do. And so the next morning I woke up early and I started studying. Lord, what do you, what do you, what do you, what's this about the almond blossom? Right? And so he took me. There's really two significant scriptures. And I'm only going to talk about one tonight, I think. But um, he took me to Jeremiah 1. So let's turn there. Jeremiah 1, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. So that's what God thinks about 2023. He's ready to perform his word. Father, we just received that word. Father, everything you want said tonight. Father, I just give you my lips and my mouth. Speak forth your words in this place tonight. Father, if you're ready to perform your word, then we want your word in all of its fullness. And Father, feel free to do what you want to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So I started studying the almond tree. And um, I went to scripture. I went to my Strong's Concordance. I was like, so what's significant about the almond tree? Why, why was this an almond tree in this passage, you know? And um, remember, this was December 23rd. This is now December 24th that I'm studying this out. And what's significant about the almond tree is the name of the almond tree. The Hebrew name for the almond tree comes from a root word which means to be awake. This, the almond tree is actually called the watcher tree or the wakeful tree because it's one of the first trees to awake out of winter. The almond tree will actually blossom in January and bring fruit to maturity by March. So this is what God's saying about 2023. He's ready right now. He's not waiting till July. He's telling us I'm ready right now. There's things I want to do. in. There's things in January that he started to do. And I think we all know. We saw things. I know I saw things in my life. February, we're, you know, entering, and there's supposed to be mature fruit by March. That's what God wants to do. So this tree is called the watcher tree or the wakeful tree. And its name comes from also the word to be awake, which also means intent. It's almost like this tree watches for the first opportunity to bud and blossom. I think that's great. So let's go back to Jeremiah. I also think it's interesting that the name Jeremiah... When God starts talking to Jeremiah, this is the very first chapter of Jeremiah. This is what he starts talking about. And Jeremiah's name means God will rise or God will raise. Like God will exalt. 
So let's go back to Jeremiah 1. God is ready to do his word. That word ready means he hastens to do his word. He's alert. Another, another synonym is sleepless. He's on the lookout to perform his word. So let's see what he says. So when we read this first chapter, or I mean verse 11, it says, first thing, so what's our part? So I immediately ask myself, what's my part? What's my part in this, Lord? If you are ready to perform your word, what's my part? Same part Jeremiah had. In verse 11, first God says, what do you see? So right away, God's asking us, what are we looking at? What are we seeing? Are we seeing what he wants us to see? Or are we looking at everything through the lens of the world? Are we looking at what the devil's trying to show us? Is what, what's our focus on? Have we set our minds on things above or things of the world? Because we have to see what he's showing us. Number one, that was the very first thing for Jeremiah. What, Jeremiah, what do you see? And then he says, and then he answers him, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said, you've seen well. So we have to see well, which means seeing how God sees, seeing what he's showing us, seeing it from his perspective. So a lot of things are going to come based on how we see. It's going to be really important how we see in the days ahead. Matthew 6, 23 says, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So how you see is so crucial to what you experience. We have to see spiritually. We can't just see naturally. So when things come your way that maybe you weren't expecting to see or things on the news, you've got to go within yourself and say, God, what does this mean? How do you see this? Don't just take what they say. God has opportunities within everything. And we see, we need to see things from his perspective to see his opportunities. Secondly, he said, well, we'll have to back up a little bit. But when he asked him, what do you see? Jeremiah had to respond, right? He actually said what he saw, right? So let's back up. Let's back up um, to the, well, to the top of my page. It says, end of verse nine, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day, I I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. So God not only expects us to see, he's going to expect us to say some things. He he will put my words, he says, I'll put my words in your mouth. I put my words in your mouth. So let's, to do what? To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Kingdoms, nations, realms, if you look it up. Realms, he set us over that. So he says, so I looked up this word set you over because I want to like understand exactly what God is saying. What is that? So I'm set over. Okay, great. Ooh, okay, I'm king. But what does this really mean to set you over the nations? Says, means to visit with friendly or hostile intent. I like that, right? Because if they're not friendly to God, I'm not going to be friendly with them. It'll be a hostile intent that I'm there. I'm going to take it down. But if they're friendly toward God, then I'll be friendly toward them. Right? So we've got these words, these different words to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down. How are we going to do this? I've set my words in your mouth. This is all going to happen through words. Through our words. We're going to pull down, destroy, throw down, and build and plant. That word build means to set up, 
Plant means to fix, to fasten. See, a word from God for any situation can fix it. It can fix that situation. You can sow what God wants to do through your words, through the words he gives you. It all starts with words. It all starts with seed, right? Even you being born again with seed. The incorruptible word of God came into you and you were born again. That's how God does everything. Seed. Parable the sower. So he has to have seed. So he needs us to speak forth on his behalf because that's what goes in and starts the work. I'm going to set my words in your mouth, he says. So God has to have partners. God doesn't do anything. The Bible tells us he doesn't do anything before he speaks it forth. Even creation. Nothing appeared until God spoke. Right? And so he's going to put our words, his words, in our mouths so that he can perform his word. Because he's ready, church, to perform his word. So we have to get ready. So this almond tree, the wakeful tree, means we have to be awake. We can't be sleeping. Right? When you're sleeping, what's ha- what happens when you're sleeping? You're, you're not sensitive to anything going around on around you. Right? You're not sensitive. You don't even hear. I don't know about y'all. When I'm sleeping, I don't hear nothing. <laughs> my husband, my son could be talking. I don't hear a word. I can sleep anywhere, too. I can sleep anywhere. Doesn't matter. I won't hear a word of it. You're insensitive when you're sleeping. You're indifferent. You don't care, even care what's going, around, going on around you. You're completely indifferent to your surroundings, right? You're inattentive. You're not paying attention when you're sleeping, right? So those are the things we can't be. We can't be inattentive or insensitive. We can't be not alert. You know what else is when, happens when you're sleeping? I wrote this down. There's an absence of enthusiasm, I don't know about you, but I've never seen an enthusiastic sleeper. <laughs> right? There's an, if, you, if you have an absence of enthusiasm, you just might be sleeping. Your eyes might be awake, but you may be sleeping. There should be enthusiasm for believers, for the church, of the living God. Amen. There's supposed to be zeal for his house. Yes. Right? There's supposed to be praise and worship on our lips. Thanksgiving, the sound of thanksgiving and rejoicing. Right? In the believers. There should not be a lack of enthusiasm. There's only a lack of enthusiasm if we're sleeping. So we can't be sleeping. We have to be alert, intent, on the watch, like God says he is. Because we're supposed to imitate him. On the watch. Just looking for an opportunity. Let's go back and read this Jeremiah 1. Because whatever God says to Jeremiah in this, we need to hear. Because he's ready to perform his word. So let's back up to verse 5. God is speaking to Jeremiah and he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, I'm just a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And that's when the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. 
So what can we learn from this? He formed you in the womb. He set you apart for this day. He planned you being here today. He planned on you being in the earth right now. It's not coincidence. He formed you for this day. Just like he did Jeremiah for that day. And the other thing, no excuses will do. None of your excuses are going to work on God. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved or not. It doesn't matter how long you've been in this church. It doesn't matter if you're new to Crowley. None of those excuses are going to work on God. No excuses will do. He's called you for this day. He's appointed you for this day. And he's sending you today. So we need a realization of those things. He's calling you up. We're going higher. We're going to another level. That means he's calling you up. I know it's kind of a baseball term. You're getting ready for the big leagues. Right? He's calling you up higher. Once you awake to this realization that you are here specifically, intentionally, on purpose, then God can touch your mouth to work with you. And you're not on your own. He's going to touch your mouth. He's going to give the word. He's going to put his words in your mouth. You don't have to come up with them. You know, Jesus said something similar to this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 18. Let me read that real quick. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. So church, get ready. You're going to be put in the right place at the right time with the right words. And don't doubt it. You're the right person. You just have to be obedient. Because the very next thing God says to, to Jeremiah is, let me look up, let me go back. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. So there has to be a realization first that you are here on purpose. You are being called. And then next is obedience. Whatever he says to speak, you're going to speak. That's very similar to what Mary told Jesus on the first miracle. Whatever he says to you, do it. Right? Which means, to me, God's ready to perform his word. Whatever he speaks to you to speak, you speak. Unashamedly, in love, you speak it. Because God needs you to speak it because he's ready to perform that word. So his words in our mouth are going to be so vital, so very vital that we speak forth on his behalf. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 that his word will never return void, but it always accomplishes what he sends it to do. Always. He is in his word. You can't separate the two. That's why it will always accomplish what he sends it to do. So God's ready. There's another verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Let me see. I wrote this down somewhere. Romans 6, 13 says that we have to present ourselves to God as being alive and our members, like our members of our body, as instruments of righteousness to God. That means you have to present your mouth to God as an instrument that he can use to righteousness. That means he can make things right. 
through your mouth, through your hands, if you present them to him to be used as instruments. I think that's exciting. I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God. I'm, I, and we just, didn't we just say we offer all of ourselves to him? I think we should mean what we sing, right? <laughs> yeah, we have to be willing, but we have to be willing to be used by him and expecting to be used by him. This should, I'm getting you ready. God's saying, I'm ready, you have to be ready. So that's why I'm here tonight. Is I'm telling you, you have to get ready because he's going to use you. He wants to perform his word in 2023. He's ready and waiting to perform his word. So he needs us ready. So we have to see opportunities. When somebody near you is sick, that's an opportunity. When somebody around you is angry, that's an opportunity. Right? When you know of things going on in the world, those are opportunities. Right? For God to make things right. Even when we, this past Sunday, the service was so amazing. I knew what was going on in here was not just for here. I just had a feeling, a knowing on the inside of me that that could have been for something on the other side of the world. And that's what we have to be expecting. We're here to minister to the nations. What happens in this room isn't always just for this room. We're declaring words, singing pra- That's what makes worship so powerful. Is whatever we're saying, we're saying as one. Everybody's singing the same thing at the same time. And God can do anything with that. The power of agreement. And the devil knows. That's why he takes music and does the opposite. He wants everyone singing his words. So he can do what he wants to do. Right? And convince them of what he says is right. But we know better. So we're going to sing songs that are straight out of the word of God. We're going to sing what God says. And we're going to see God perform his word. Right in our midst. I'm ready for miracles during praise and worship. Anybody with me? Yes. Let's just go ahead and get him done right during praise and worship. So we can just have a testimony service. Let God do what he wants to do. God's going to, he's ready to perform his word. So our mouths have to line up with his words. We've got to let give him our mouths to be used by him. And in that same respect, we can't allow our, our mouths to be used by the enemy. You can't just start. The Bible says out of the same mouth flows good and evil. That's not how it's supposed to be. So we, we've got to be intent, watchful. Of what we're saying. And are we speaking? Who are we speaking on behalf of? Who are we speaking on behalf of? Whose plans are we trying to sow into the earth today? Because your words are doing it. My words are doing it. And we have to be serious about this. Because God is ready to perform his word. Second Chronicles 16.9 tells us. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He is just looking for someone to work with him. Whose heart is loyal to me that I can work with? His eyes are running to and fro in search of someone who will just be loyal to him. Whose heart will stand with him. We cannot allow our mouths to just spew forth complaints. Complaining? Is what turned the Israelites. 
They couldn't stop complaining. And sooner or later, that dropped into their spirit and they could no longer see winning. They got to the promised land after all that complaining. And what happened? They couldn't see what God was showing them. Instead, they only saw the giants. And what did they come back saying? That. Out of 12 spies, two saw what God said and said what God said. And 10 did not. Guys, I don't want to be the 10 and I don't want you to be the 10. I want us all to be with the two. Imagine what would have happened if they all just gotten on the same page as Caleb and Joshua. They all could have had the maximum. You can't complain. Don't start complaining. The minute you start, the minute you're dissatisfied with something, speak what you want. Kings shall decree a thing. You are kings. Decree a thing. If you don't know what to say in a moment because all you see is negative, pray in the Holy Ghost until you have what you should say. And then say it boldly and confidently that God is going to change it. That's what we're here for. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to build, to plant. That's what he's saying. He will give you the words to do those things this year. Because he's ready to perform his word. He's ready. So we have got to become more vigilant over our mouths than we ever have before. We have to be ready. Let me read you. You know, the Bible says Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and will be the wisest man that will ever live. That's what the Bible says. So I think he might know a thing or two that he could share with us. What do you think? And he had a whole lot to say about your heart and your mouth. So let's, let's listen to Solomon. Let me read you some verses. Proverbs 12, verse 6. The mouth of the upright will deliver them. How about that? What if we're waiting on God to move and he's just saying your mouth will deliver you? Proverbs 15 verse 4 says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. In some translations it says a healing tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. If you let your tongue speak forth ridiculousness according to heaven, it will break your spirit. And it will break the spirit of people around you. That's Bible. That's not me. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Has anyone ever said the right thing to you at the right time and it was like life to you? That's how it's supposed to be, believers. We're supposed to minister grace, life, peace to one another. We should have the right word at the right season to bring grace. The Bible says you should speak forth words that impart grace to the hearer. What's grace? The ability of God. That it imparts grace to the hearer. The next time someone starts complaining with you, instead of joining in on the complaining, 
Minister grace to them. Find a word for them in due season. I know sometimes you bring forth that word and they say, okay, holier art thou. I know that, but that's their choice. That's still their choice. And you know what? You still sowed the seed. And my Bible says the word will not return void. Even though they may be embarrassed in the moment that they didn't rise up to that moment, you sowed the seed and they will think about it later. And you don't know that the next person that complains to them, they'll repeat what you said. You just might not be there. So you sow the seed. You do your part. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. You know you can turn around your thoughts by declaring his words. You have joy by the answer of your mouth. That means when thoughts come and they're just reeling. You're reeling from like the what ifs, the what has beens, what could have beens. Oh, I wish. Why, God, why? Answer it with your mouth. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. You want to turn around anxiety or depression? A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. You're not waiting on anything else. It's your mouth. And it's in you. What you need is already in you. You you don't lack one good thing, the Bible says. You don't lack one good thing when you have God. Not one thing. You don't lack one good thing. You just got to bring it forth. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. That means you just don't go off at situations. Unless you already have the word of God and you can go off on that. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. And you have to answer. You have to answer it. I don't care if it's thoughts. I don't care if it's someone else's comments or someone else's put downs, their complaints. You have to answer. If not for anyone else, for you. Study how to answer. Go within yourself. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I was telling someone this week. When somebody comes to talk to me and and they're talking to me about something and they don't have right understanding according to the word of God, I sometimes will look be looking straight at them and praying in the Holy Ghost on the inside. Saying to myself, within myself, Lord, how do I respond to this? What do you want me to say? Do you want me to say anything? Are they at a place where they can receive? And I will wait on God to tell me while I'm listening. You have to study how to answer. You have to go within yourself and get right words. Because sometimes they're at a place they're not listening. And God might need a helper. And that helper could be you. (laughs) And you're at the right place at the right time with the right words to make a right difference. And sometimes to make things right. Because God wants to execute righteousness. Remember pastor teaching us this? God is a God of righteousness. He wants to execute righteousness, which means he wants to make things right in people's lives. And sometimes he's going to do that through you. Why? Because he's ready to perform his word. He's ready. He's ready. Proverbs 15, verse 13 says, The wicked are ensnared by the transgression of their lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. But that means, that must mean that we are not ensnared. By the transgression of our lips. 
right? Because it says the wicked do that. When I think of the wicked being ensnared, I immediately, like the first time God brought that to my attention in this, in this lesson, I immediately thought of a cobweb. To me, that's a, I don't know, it's a sticky place. Like you can't get out. Once you're in, it's like a trap, you know? They're ensnared by the transgression of their lips. Ensnared means you can't, you can't, it's a trap. You've been, it's to catch in a snare, to take by wiles, strategy, or deceit. And see, that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get you in a trap by wiles, strategy, or deceit. It also means to entangle, which to me kind of is a cobweb too, you know? To entangle. When you're entangled, it means you're involved in difficulties or perplexities. You know what that means? It's complicated. Something just got complicated. When you're perplexed, it's complicated. You're distracted. You're puzzled. And that's what Satan will always come to do. Because with God, everything is easy and simple. If something just got complicated, you're not seeing right. Because with God, things are never, ever complicated. Has God ever spoken to you something and you're just like, that was the simplest thing? Like, how about do not fear, only believe? Is it that simple? Yep. That simple. It's that simple. Believe the word of God. That simple. You actually have to believe what God says above every other report. How simple. Everything God does is simple. When you get distracted by something that's complicated or puzzling you, that's your first indication that he's trying to ensnare you. He's trying to catch you in a mental trap and there's something simple that you're not seeing. Pray in the Holy Ghost. He's our helper. He will help you. He will help you. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 13, excuse me, verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Now that's pretty simple. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. What if we actually stepped up and stopped saying anything God didn't say? What if we just refused? It's tough, though, when you're filling yourself with the world's talk all day long. If you're watching TV and you're not watching Christian TV, sometimes Christian TV, be careful. If you're watching TV all day long, listening to talk show radio, talk shows, listen, whatever you're spending your time filling your ears with and your eyes with, that's what's going to come out. So if you're filling yourself with what God says, with praise and worship, all that kind of stuff, that's what's going to come out. When you need it to, especially. But whatever you fill yourself with is what's going to come out. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. Simple. So simple. So our words are so, so, so important. I heard Dr. Savell say recently, and it was so good. My son hurt his ankle a few, I don't know, a week or so ago. And I was there when he did it. And when he did it, it could have been broken. He immediately, his whole body started sweating. His arms were sweating. 
the sweat started dripping off his face because of the pain he was in. His whole body was sweating. I laid my hands on that ankle and I took authority. I told those bones to do what they're supposed to do, to be fully knit together, mended, complete and whole. I loosed the blessing into that ankle and within minutes, he stopped sweating, he was fine. We were able to put weight on it. He walked around. Now it was still hurting. So the next day he had to go to work. And so um, he had to walk. But you know, your kids hear what you say. Let me just stop there. Your kids hear what you say. You're teaching them faith when you're not teaching them faith. You're teaching them fear when you don't mean to teach them fear. They're always watching. So the next day he had to go to work and he had about a hundred yard walk once he got there to get into the building. And he started walking toward the building and it was still pretty painful. And he thought to himself, well, it occurred to him, the man with the withered hand, don't ever, don't ever minimize what you teach children in church. Don't ever minimize them sitting in here in the service. They're listening. They're hearing it all. So he's walking to this building and the story of the man reaching out his withered hand and it, and it was made whole. Remember Jesus said, reach out your hand and he reached out his hand. That story occurred to him. So he thought to himself, what if I just stop babying this ankle and I just try to walk normal? As he's thinking that, he picks up his foot and as he does, he feels something happen, hit his foot. He puts his foot down and starts walking heel to toe. All the pain ceased in his foot. <laughs> Praise God. It was so, it was so shocking. He thought his ankle went numb. He didn't have any other, he, it went from total pain to total nothing in, in a moment. He's ready to perform his word. He's ready to perform his word. He just needs someone, a heart. His eyes are looking to and fro through the earth to find someone whose heart is loyal to him. Because he's ready to perform his word. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready today. He's ready. So start expecting that he's ready. That, that tree, it blossoms before any other tree. In winter. To that tree, it's a shift in season. So get ready, guys. It doesn't matter what has or hasn't happened in the past. God is telling you right now, I'm ready to perform my word. He said, 2023, I'm ready to perform my word. People of God, we have to understand, he is ready to perform his word. So get your belief and your expectation at its highest level. Because that's how we're going to get the highest level attainable. I've told Eric, we've talked about this before. The fullness of the blessing comes by fullness of faith. So when I was praying over Drew, and you know, throughout Drew's life, kids, kids have struggling moments. They have hard times. And their hard times are a big deal because, you know, if they're going to school, that's their life. Now to you, you're thinking, oh, that's such a small part of your life. But to them, it's their whole life, right? So there would be times where I would pray over Drew and, you know, I didn't want him to struggle. I'm telling you this not just as a parent, but as anyone you see in the community. If you see one another struggling, church, we're supposed to 
People are supposed to be able to come in here and get help. They're supposed to have you with them, not questioning them. We're supposed to fight with one another, bear one another's burdens. So when Drew would struggle, I would say, no, the Bible says great shall be the peace of my children. He has a covenant of peace and great will be the peace of my children. Great is his peace. Great is his peace. Great is his peace. And I would declare that over him because why? Kings decree thing. You have to sow the seed. Great shall be the peace of my child. And then the Bible says the generations of the upright are blessed. And I would say, I'm upright. I am the, I've been made the righteousness of God. The generations of the upright are blessed. My generations are blessed. My son is blessed. My grandchildren are blessed. My great-grandchildren are blessed. I don't have grandchildren or great-children yet, but I'm proclaiming they will be blessed. Because the Bible tells me they will be. And I take this word above any other word. I don't care what anyone says. I'm thankful for their reports. But every report is subject to this report. So great, great shall be the peace of my child. And my generations are blessed. So if my generations are blessed, Psalm 1 tells me blessed is he that stands not and doesn't walk in the counsel of the, of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. His joy, his meditation is the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Father, you will bring the word of God to his remembrance day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth fruit in its season. His leaf will not wither and everything he does will prosper. I still pray that over him now that he's working. Everything he does will prosper. Because my gener- the generations of the upright are blessed. So you take this word and you war by it. Church, army of the living God. This is how we do this. This is how we fight back. He will put his words on your lips. And then he is ready to perform it. That's what he's saying. So, no complaints. No complaining. We're not going to do the Satan's bidding. We're not going to do business on his behalf. We're not going to talk about people. Talk about pastor. Talk about the president. None of that. You know, back in the Old Testament, God, they asked for a king. And God gave them one. But they weren't supposed to depend on him. He wasn't supposed to be God to them. What if the government was never meant to meet our needs? So what are we looking to them for? God is saying, wake up, I'm God. And I'm ready to perform my word. And there's a whole lot of good words in here. And there's a whole lot of good words coming across this pulpit and out of Dr. Savelle's lips. And we better be awake, paying attention, and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Ghost because he's ready to perform his word. Have I said that enough today? He's ready to perform his word. And he has a word in due season. And he's told us what that is. I'm taking you to the maximum. It is time for the highest level attainable. As I was getting ready, even in the green room before I came out here. And I hate to even bring this up. I mean, I don't because God gave it to me. But I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, God brings Malachi 3.13 up out of me. Like just boom, right in my mind. Do you know what Malachi 3.13 says? Let me tell you. Your words have been stout against me. 
your words have been harsh against me. You've said, what prophet, and I'm not saying you, church. I hope it's not you. But if it is, please listen. He says, your words have been harsh against me. You say, what prophet is there to serve God? The wicked prosper and I don't. It's vain for me to serve God. God is saying, those are harsh words against me. And his response in Malachi 3 was, return to me. I am your answer. And he's ready to perform his word. He's ready to perform his word. And all his words to you are good. To give you a future and a hope. To bring you to your expected end. Which is fully blessed. He wants us to remember he's, he's our God. And we're his people. And there's no one other than him. There's no one else. There's no better life. There's no access to a better life than going to God, speaking forth his words. So we've got to take his words. We've got to take authority and dominion that he's given us from the very beginning. When he got to the garden and he created man, that was his original intent for us. And what did he say? Have authority, have dominion. And he blessed them. Right? And with those things, authority, dominion, and the blessing, that was all and seed. Can I say that? And seed. That's what he gave them in Genesis. And with those four things, authority, dominion, blessing, and seed, that was all they were going to need to live in the maximum. And then Jesus came to get those four things back for us. For us to use those exact four things today. Authority, dominion, blessing, and seed. So when I prayed, when I pray over Drew, I speak the blessing over him. When I pray over this church, I speak the blessing over this church. When I pray over our pastors who, are on, who went away this week for Pastor Annette's birthday, I speak the blessing over them. I expect the blessing to go with them. I, I expect it to go before them. I expect God to go before them, make their way smooth and straight. And I pray a hedge of protection over everything that belongs to them, that while they're gone, they will be able to have rest and peace. Everything here will be taken care of. I speak the blessing over their family, their property, this ministry. Why? Because that's what God gave it to us for. We're to command the blessing. So that's what we do. When I pray over Drew's ankle, I commanded the blessing to go to work. Because he's blessed. He's not cursed. The Bible says you don't ever have to break a bone. Not one time. I've prayed that since he was young. When he started playing sports, oh my goodness, I grabbed that Bible out, that verse out of the Bible, and that was like, he will not break a bone in his body. <laughs> Basketball, soccer, I don't care. Baseball, you will not break. And he, mean, and he didn't. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, sometimes you've got to speak forth the word. You've got to sow it. Our job is to sow it, to destroy, to pull down, to root out, to build, and to plant. That's our job. That's the job he's given his words in your mouth. So church, he's ready to perform his word. And he's going to put his words on your mouth and in your lips. There's so many examples I could use. But I won't. Eric, do you have anything else? You know... I know Eric's used this example before, but when David showed up to that field with the army that day 
Anybody could have seen it how the army saw it. Anybody could have seen this giant taunting them that nobody could beat. Oh my goodness, nobody, nobody. Any normal person could have seen that. But David walked up and said, he's not bigger than God. See the importance of seeing things the way God sees it? So back to Jeremiah 1. He's telling us we have to see well. We have to see how he sees. And then what did David do? He said to the giant, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He saw right and he spoke right. And David was a champion. Made a world of difference. Seeing right and saying right. And so that's what we need to do. It's as easy as that. Isn't that simple, Vic? Right? So easy. Church, this is so easy. We can do this. We can do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, we can do this. We can do this. Now turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to win. We're going to see amazing things this year. Church, we're going to see amazing things this year. Amazing. Let's just worship him. Let's just thank him. Father, we thank you for the amazing things you have planned for this year. Father, amazing things. Amazing things. Father, we want to work with you on wonders. Things that cause people to marvel. Father, they will look and marvel. Church, I'm mindful of what Pastor said on Sunday. He was using that verse from Psalm 102. And he said that, um, remember that verse that said, you will arise, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. And then pastor went on to talk about Hosanna. You remember? Everybody remember? We're on the same page from Sunday. And that word Hosanna said, save now. Well, he said, it said that blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As soon as he said that, of course, I had this message percolating in me already, that he's ready to perform his word, right? Mark 16 says, maybe I better open my Bible and read it. Mark 16, verse 17 says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you're believing in his name and you're walking into your workplace... You're coming in the name of the Lord. What for? To save now. Hosanna. To save now. God is sending you to places to deliver now. To save now those people. You're coming in the name of the Lord. You believe in the name of the Lord. You'll cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You're being sent to save now. Because you believe in the name of the Lord. Because he's ready to perform his word. And he's sending you like he sent Jeremiah. So he's going to give you right words. Right words to say in that moment. So he can do his part. Jesus said the father does the works. But Jesus still had things to say. He still had things to say. And we're going to have things to say. Let's do it again. Let's worship. Thank God. See if he gives us something else. Father, we just thank you. Lord, thank you. Wonders, marvels, manifestations of your greatness. Everything you want done, Father. Everything you want done. Father, we want to be a part. 
And we want it right now. Right now. You said we don't have to wait till July. You said we could have mature fruit by March. Father, we want the fullness by March. We want what you have for this church by March. <laughs> Start it now, Lord. Start it. Buds and blossoms now. In Jesus' name. I speak forth that in our lives, Father. Buds and blossoms now. In Jesus' name. Father, show us. Show us, Holy Spirit. Guide us. Lead us. Teach us. Help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Touch our mouths, Lord. Touch our, we give you our mouths right now. That was the last thing. Once we came to a realization and a promise of obedience, Father, you said you touched Jeremiah's mouth. Father, I pray for each person in the sound of my voice. Touch their mouths. Let their words be full of life, full of you. Anointed words. Minds of Christ. We would think like the anointing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to fire you up with one more thing. Ezekiel 37 is the story of the dry bones. You remember that story? Well, when God comes to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, he says to him, what's his job? Ezekiel has to speak to the dry bones. He has to speak to those dry bones for those dry bones to come alive. But then he tells the bones what's going to happen to them. But then he has to speak to the breath to go to the bones. So speak to the situation and then tell the spirit, move, blow, fill it. Do what you do, Lord. Do what you do. Come and do what you do. And you know what happened? Those dry bones stood up and became, the Bible says, an exceedingly great army. So I speak the word over us as a church. I say, God, fill us with your word and your spirit. Stand us up on our feet. Take us from dead to life, asleep to awake, and make us an exceedingly great army. Hallelujah. Let us go out of here and change this place. See it, church. See you going somewhere and making a difference. See you going into the grocery store, speaking words of life, and actually seeing a miracle. See it. See it. See it. Now every day when you wake up, say it. Say it. I'm going somewhere for God to happen today. Yes. Wherever I am, God is going to happen today. I will be sensitive to your words. I will be sensitive to your voice. I will speak what you say to speak. I will do what you say to do because you are ready to perform your word. (laughs) And I expect it. I expect it. Church, I don't even know what that looks like sometimes, but I'm ready. And we have to be ready. Things are changing. This is a new season. And he's saying, I'm ready to perform my word. So let's get ready. Amen? Amen. 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 Joseph?
Engilroy.